The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to find food truth and connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture. And I'm delighted today to have with me Charlotte Vallez, who is a nutritionist. She has a master's degree from the Friedman School at Tufts in Nutrition Science and Policy. She also has a degree from Harvard in Divinity, where she studied social and environmental ethics. Her job today is with the Cornucopia Institute. She's been with them for three years. She is officially their farm and food policy analyst. Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Tell me, I describe the Cornucopia Institute as the organic industry watchdog. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. And tell me about what you were hired to do as a farm and food policy analyst. Well, I was hired to work on different projects. As a growing organization, we saw a need for going beyond just being a watchdog for organic dairy, which is how our organization got started, and noticed that there were a lot of other foods out there, a lot of other segments of the organic industry that also needed some watchdogging, as you, would, as you could call it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just saw a lot of uh, different areas that needed some, some research, and that, that's why I was hired to work on those. Well, your reports are quite extensive, and I love reading them and learning. Tell me about one of the areas that you think needs more watchdogging. Well, the the first project that I worked on was actually on organic infant formula, and it's a very interesting project that we're still working on. It's not over yet, and it pretty much involved an additive that was being put in or that is still being put in organic formula that has not been approved for organics. So that's one area. Um, Another one that I worked on is organic soybeans and imports from China. And currently what we're focusing on is um, a lot of companies are coming out with uh, claims that they are natural and um, 100% natural, trying to cash in on consumer awareness and consumer concern for environmental and ecologically friendly food production. And there is really no regulation as far as calling something natural versus organic. So we see that as an area that definitely needs somebody looking at what's going on there and and bringing that to consumers' attention when, when they're going too far, as, you know, as far as misleading consumers. Goes. Yeah, there's a lot of what I call greenwashing out there, and I think that the whole issue of calling something natural and people being misled and thinking that somehow natural or organic are the same when they are vastly different is a real problem in the marketplace. It, di- it truly dilutes organic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, def- definitely. Well, why don't we touch on each of these three issues that you've most recently researched, because I think they all have importance in the consumer marketplace. Let's start with infant formula. 
What is it about the organic infant formula that raised eyebrows? There's two additives, which are an omega-3 and an omega-6 fatty acid. They're called DHA and ARA, Mm -hmm. and that's how you see them advertised quite extensively, actually, by formula companies. And they're touted as improving brain and eye development, which actually, when you look at the scientific data and look at review studies, for example, you find that that's not at all the case, that most studies, clinical trials, find no difference between infants given formula with these additives and infants given formula without these additives. There's one research group, and they are based in Dallas. They've taken over a million dollars from one of the major infant formula corporations to do this research. And they are pretty much the only group that has found differences in eye developments and some very minor differences in brain developments. And so based on this one research team, the formula companies are advertising DHA and ARA as being essential for brain development. So they're now pretty much found in all infant formula in the United States, including organics, and that's what concerned us as an organic watchdog. When part of the appeal and what we consider the superiority of organic food is that you can't just put anything in it. When it comes to additives, if you have, for example, something that is synthetic and, in this case, grown from fermented fungus and fermented algae and then bathed in a neurotoxic solvent called hexane, which is how DHA and ARA are processed, You can't just put that in organics. It has to go through a process of review and even public comments in order to determine if these additives belong in organics. The problem is this was never done for DHA and ARA. They were pretty much just put in to these formulas, organic formulas. And when people file, including Cornucopia, filed legal complaints saying, this shouldn't be done, the National Organic Program at the time completely disregarded or, yeah, completely disregarded those complaints. So, Cornucopia, because we're a watchdog, uh, we decided to dig a little bit deeper. Why was this happening? And we discovered that the head of the National Organic Program under the Bush administration had pretty much worked out a backroom deal with a corporate lobbyist who was working for one of the organic formula companies at the time and who convinced the head of the National Organic Program that these additives should fall under vitamins and minerals, which are allowed in organics. Of course, you know, as a nutritionist, you and I and most people out there know that fatty acids or oils in this case are not vitamins or minerals. They should not be allowed under this this exemption, but because of this corporate lobbying, they they were. So it's a problem, and I I must also, I feel like I I need to mention this part of the story, too, which is that some infants actually do get sick from these, and that's where it really becomes a problem. You know, if this is just a synthetic 
hexane extracted fungus additive, uh, that would be one thing. But they have been linked to some serious illnesses in some infants who appear unable to digest these oils and experience very explosive watery diarrhea, which of course is very dangerous for newborns, vomiting and other symptoms. And the FDA has gotten many reports from parents that these side effects are happening. They haven't taken action. And so we feel that they should not be in organics. At least organic formulas should be a refuge from these synthetic additives. Well, let me ask you a question because I'm aware of the DHA research, certainly of breastfeeding women, where moms are encouraged to consume more fish oils, for example, so that their milk is a rich source of DHA. Is it that the formula companies were adding more than would be present in, say, a fish-eating, breastfeeding mother? No, they're not necessarily adding more. They're trying to add the same levels. But, of course, a fish-eating mother is eating a whole, a real food, fish, getting omega-3 fatty acids from real food, which passes through her own body and becomes the omega-3s in her breast milk. That's very different from taking algae, fermenting them from a cryogenically frozen stock, fermenting them in, in big stainless steel vats, and, and then going through this whole process. And we don't even know really what all of what goes on behind the scenes there. Uh, to extract this and make it into an oil that you then put in formula. So, you know, some issues here are that these oils are not pure DHA. There are other components as well, other Mm -hmm. compounds in these oils, some of which are very similar to, to fish. It's possible that infants are getting sick from some of these other compounds. Also, it's it's actually recognized that the DHA from algae is structurally different from DHA in breast milk. So that is another possibility why some infants, their digestive systems might simply not recognize this because it is structurally different from the kind that they would get from their mother's milk and, and that that's why they cannot digest it properly. Charlotte, what are the recommendations to date then for women who, for whatever reason, cannot breastfeed, of course, we should probably stop and say that breastfeeding is the gold standard. It just doesn't get any better than that. But for women who, for whatever reason, and there are certainly reasons why women can't breastfeed, what would you recommend in terms of the best alternative for them? I should mention, for example, the American Academy of Pediatrics has not come out with a recommendation that these oils are necessary. Most groups have recognized that the science is controversial, to say the least, and therefore have not actually recommended that these oils are necessary in formula. What I recommend personally, because I do get a lot of calls from from parents who are trying to find the right formula, and I certainly understand that not every mother can breastfeed, I recommend an organic formula, which is called Babies Only. It's by Nature's One. And they have not, I mean, they're they're one of the only companies that has resisted 
putting in these hexane-extracted additives. They're organic, and they're serious about being organic, so they don't feel that these should be in their formula. And they do have the precursors to these, so the precursor fatty acids to DHA and ARA, which research shows is adequate for term infants. So the, the infant's body converts the precursor to DHA, and they are they are sourcing this precursor from water-extracted egg yolks as opposed to these hexane-extracted algae and fungus. Is anybody using extractions from fish? Not in formula, in some baby foods. Okay. Uh, Well, and if people want to know more about this report, they can go to the Cornucopia Institute website, and they can Google Cornucopia Institute, and the report's name is called Replacing Mother, Imitating Human Breast Milk in the Laboratory, and it's a quite well-researched report. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with Charlotte Vallees. She is the Farm and Food Policy Analyst with Cornucopia. The Cornucopia Institute is an industry watchdog for organics. We have a lot more to talk about, Charlotte. I knew that this was going to happen because I feel like I have to talk about eco-grain. And I need to talk about eco-grain because it's the very latest red flag to come up on my screen to be what I call greenwashing. And you did a great review of this. The report is titled Corporate, well, I guess this was a press release that you put out, right? Right. Corporate baking giant Sarah Lee hijacks organics. Eco-grain marketing blitz. Greenwashing new bread produced with toxic agrochemicals as something better than organic. Tell me about how you got wind of this product and what you discovered. Well, we actually noticed this product ourselves, but we were contacted by quite a lot of our our friends in the organic community who were just outraged when they saw this and pointed this out to us. And we just, we, we looked at it, and it's certainly not the first time that a company claims that an, quote, natural product is, just as good as organics or or at least tries to give that impression. Mm-hmm. But what e- but what Sara Lee did that was just over the top outrageous was they launched a a marketing campaign including a website for earth grains on which they actually had a page to explain how wonderful their eco grain is and they titled one of their paragraphs, sustainable versus organic farming, and actually made it sound intentionally, explicitly, like their eco-grain was better than organic grain. And that just is unacceptable. It's factually wrong. It's misleading to consumers. It's adding to the already present confusion about the difference between natural and organics. And and on top of that, even people who already realize that organic is better than natural might even make them doubt that. And so we we decided we couldn't just let this happen and, and needed to to do something about this. Well, it's very interesting. When I saw this uh, news, this press release come out from the Cornucopia Institute, I had already been made aware of EcoGrain through 
uh, you know, there are different listservs within the American Dietetic Association, and food companies like to keep dietitians informed, you know, about what kinds of new food products are coming out on the market and why we should be telling our clients and patients to consume them. And I, too, was concerned with the name EcoGrain because it sounded so green. And I thought, hmm, so is this, my first question was, A, was it organic? Was it bioengineered? I needed to know if the grain was produced with any kind of pesticide or herbicide. And I could not get the Sara Lee PR people to get back with me after multiple attempts to find out what kinds of pesticides or herbicides are actually used on this grain. And so a red flag came up to me thinking, this isn't legit. Right. You know, the only difference that eco-grain, or the only difference between eco-grain and conventional grain is that eco-grain farmers use what is called precision agriculture to reduce their their use of synthetic fertilizers. And they don't, you know, unlike an organic farmer who has to reduce his or her synthetic fertilizer use by 100%, who has to reduce their toxic pesticide and herbicide use by 100%, who has to use certain farming techniques that improve biodiversity both in the soil by building beneficial soil organisms and and on the farm by well you know organic farms have been shown to to have more biodiversity such as birds and so so there's all these things that organic farmers are doing to be really eco you know right the true eco. eco grain exactly the true eco grain and so you're absolutely right that this Sara Lee eco grain really doesn't, you know, these farmers don't have to and, and are not committed in any way to reducing their pesticide or herbicide use. They're not using crop rotation or other ways to build the health of their soil. They're not doing anything to build biodiversity on their farms because they don't have to. Nobody's checking, which is very different from an organic farmer who's legally required to do those things who's audited at least one time a year and sometimes by un, unannounced visits from certifiers. So so it's it's very different and it's it's clearly in this case it's a marketing technique and they just came up with the name EcoGrain because they know that that rings you know it it, it sounds good to consumers. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, one of the dietitians that, that belongs to one of our listservs, she's a conventional farmer, and she said, you know, conventional farmers have been using precision, quote, precision agriculture techniques for years because the nitrogen fertilizer is so expensive exactly. that they they don't want to just apply it willy-nilly. They want to make sure that they're only applying it to where it's needed. So, Yeah, yeah exactly, it's, and, and, and it's it's interesting, therefore, that, Sara Lee, exactly. They they took something that these farmers were probably already doing right. as a cost cutting technique for their own sake, and and they twisted it and they turned it into something that was supposedly done for environmental reasons. You know, they're they're not doing anything in addition 
exactly. do that. They're not making real sacrifices, let's just put it that way. Exactly. And if people are interested in reading more about the eco-grain greenwashing that's been going on, they can go to the Cornucopia website again, and that is www.cornucopia.org. Lastly, we should touch on the issue of soybeans coming from China versus soybeans in the United States. And, you know, I have to just mention that I have a friend whose brother grows or tries to grow non-GMO soy in Nebraska and has had a heck of a time finding non-GMO seed. So I guess that's why we've become more dependent on imports. Would you say that's correct? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's unclear really how this whole thing happened with U.S. food companies being so dependent on Chinese soybeans. And for years we've, we've had this problem, well, problem <laughs> from an organic farmer in the U.S. point of view, it's a problem of organics from China always coming in just a little bit cheaper than what a U.S. farmer can grow. And it really raises red flags with farmers in the U.S. who say, I just can't do it. It's, you know, every time I, I, I say my price, it's like the Chinese price is just a tiny little bit lower. And companies that don't necessarily care too much about where their products, their ingredients are coming from will go with the cheaper soybean. And it's, you know, it, it does real harm to, to our, our own organic agriculture here in the U.S. when it's, you know, how much can it grow if certain commodities keep coming in cheaper from places like China? Well, the other side of that coin, though, Charlotte, is this whole notion of farmers not being able to get the non-GMO seed anymore. I believe that it's 90% of the soybeans grown in the United States now are genetically modified. Right. And what farmers say is that you got to order those seeds early, those non-GMO seeds early if you want to get them. If you're too late, they're, they're not going to be available. So I think that the Department of Justice investigations into seed monopolies will be very interesting and important for us also to be watchdogging about. Yes, you're right. More work for us. Exactly, exactly. Well, tell me a little bit more about some of the projects that are near and dear to your heart and that you think consumers should be aware of. Well, we've got two projects that I'm working on right now. Uh, one of them is is actually a scorecard, much like what we did for dairy and soy, uh, but this time on eggs. So we're looking at the organic egg industry in the United States and looking at who's, who's really providing outdoor, not just outdoor access through a little pop hole in a huge building, but who's actually giving real, real pasture, real outdoor runs to chickens versus, well, a lot of, or some companies that, that are just cramming their chickens inside big hen houses and getting away with that, calling it organic. So that's one project that we're working on. And another one is uh, natural versus organic. And we are going to keep uh, working on this, very similar to what happened with Sara Lee. Uh, they're certainly not the only company out there that is looking to confuse consumers about natural and organic so there's definitely going to be a lot more kind of case studies 
coming out with where we, in this case, we looked at bread. Uh, we'll be looking at lots of other foods as well and which companies are doing it right by being organic and which ones are misleading consumers like Sara Lee and Earth Grains did. Well, as an organic advocate myself, I encourage our listeners to choose the organic label. Look for that USDA organic label. It is vastly different from natural. Can't even you know stand up next to it for so many reasons. And if people have questions and would like to learn more about USDA's organic label and what that means, um, they can go, they can Google USDA plus organic and find out what really matters and what happens. There's a new pasture law that's just been enacted, so that's a good thing and helping to keep folks honest. If you want more information about the Cornucopia Institute, I encourage you to go to the website. It's www.cornucopia.org. Our time is up, Charlotte. We have been speaking with Charlotte Valles, who is the Farm and Food Policy Analyst with the Cornucopia Institute. I want to remind our listeners that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And Charlotte, I want to thank you for your investigative work. Thank you. My pleasure. Do you have a charge for us as we sign off? A charge by organic. By organic. Very good. Okay. Thank you so much.